Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is Ryan, one of your hosts, and today we have episode 99, which is a season preview for the 2021 season, which starts tonight against the Calgary Flames. Uh, be patient with this episode. Chris and I hadn't recorded in quite a few months, dating back to last season, actually. So we're a bit rusty, but we get back into the swing of things eventually. And uh, if you'd like to see the unedited version, or if you'd just like to see our faces, you can find this episode also on YouTube. Just search for Jetcentric. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. What's that? Move your camera. All I can see is you and your, your chin. No, I can see him just fine. Oh, can you? Okay, don't worry about it then. Oh, there you go. That's good. Yeah, it centers it on our screens because our aspect ratios are like that by that. And then when you, right. it squares it out on this. Anyways, we can uh, get the show in the rude. We need the headset. Toronto just tied it. No! God, no! <laughs> Please! <laughs> All right. You good? Good. I was born not ready. Alright, um, hi everybody, welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast, it's Liz here and I'm with Chris and Ryan, so we got the whole crew here today. Awesome, so um, it is currently 8.30, the evening before the Jets play their first game, regular season hockey game since March, so safe to say we're excited, we've had hockey on for the past like four hours now and it's been an exciting time to be on the internet and on watching TV, it's been good, so Let's talk some Jets. Um, they had the draft in the fall. They were doing nothing else after that. Had some training camp the past couple weeks. And now they're getting ready to drop the puck tomorrow against uh, Calgary. First time seeing them since August. So that'll be good. Um, yeah, Chris, do you want to start off sort of talking about maybe we'll just get going on the things that happened leading up to tomorrow's game, training camp, some of the PDOs we signed, some of the offseason um, chat, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, they had <laughs> not a lot of action, I guess, when you think about it. Um, I guess they brought in Trevor Lewis, is that his name, on the PTO, and uh, ended up signing him, um, which is apparently he had a really good camp and could be an impactful uh, bottom six player. Uh, put Matt Perot on waivers, but he cleared, which is nice, um, which... Uh, <laughs> They said they needed it for cap compliance and something we could get into uh, later on in the broadcast is, are we going down the same road with Brian Little that we went with Dustin Bufflin Um, with a retirement, no retirement contract situation here? Because he hasn't been put on long term and there's no sign. When was that? Brian Little? Yeah. Yeah, Chevy announced today that he's put on the LTIR, and that's why they signed Lewis. Okay. I mean, I, why, but they said he mentioned it in the same sentence. Okay, I didn't hear that. All I, The last I had heard was that the reason was, of parole was the cap compliance thing. Um, but I guess that's different still, though, with the retirement and all that kind of stuff, right? So yeah. I just – I don't want to be, um, uh, you know, super <laughs> – causing some sort of thing that's not there but that seems really weird to me that 
he's still on the team, if you will. Um, and then um, signed Lucas Pisa, of course, first day of free agency, had to do that. And uh, Nate Thompson, uh, which here we go again. Uh, I would say luckily we lost Pisa uh, on the waiver wire yesterday, which is incredible. Um, so those are the, the usuals. What was a funny incident was the day before training camp started, Chevy had a press conference and mentioned that um, we might be impressed with some of the PTOs and, you know, he was really excited and then it happened and there, it wasn't anything where, you know, um, Mike Hoffman went to St. Louis and some of these other teams get some of the free agents, right? I just noticed that Tyson Berry, you know, some of these guys and we just get nobody and, and don't try and, you know, take a shot. So, but uh, not a super eventful off season. Uh, I, I know we'll get into it more, but we're basically going to go into this starting tomorrow with almost the exact same lineup as we finished with last year. Yeah, and we have this whole new concept with the Taxi Squad, and they announced that opening day roster, and I was kind of taking a look at that, and we got our good friend Logan Stanley on the Taxi Squad, and you have your Perot and Berdine, Sandberg, and what, Gus, I think, are on that that Taxi Squad, so who knows what uh, that's going to look like. But training camp has been, I don't know, I haven't, I personally haven't really been watching, um, like they had a scrimmage a couple days ago in the morning, I think that was on Monday or Tuesday, um and just some different line combinations nelson noje playing forward all this fun stuff ryan do you have any kind of training camp notes or anything notable that people have been talking about or anything that you want to bring up oh man i really got put on the spot i haven't see this is where i where i don't exactly know because i don't pay attention to training camp at all i've just kind of been catching up in the last few days um as to kind of what's going on with the team in general so i can't come in directly on training camp but i want to go back and talk about lucas visa <laughs> uh, what's the saying addition by subtraction that the coach is going to somehow look better because of something that was out of his hands that he's going to be forced to play somebody that's not lucas visa it's kind of funny how that works, how he's getting bailed out, I well, think. Shout out to Tony again. Tony had a, a banger of a tweet earlier today. I was talking about how, um, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was basically the old guys are going to get hurt and benched young guys are going to come in and play and the Jets are actually going to be good and Paul Maurice is going to get the credit for it, even though this wasn't his plan. And like, you know what? Yeah. You're not entirely wrong, my friend. Like, it's... Uh... <laughs> Well, that's how that's how it happens, right? With this team, that changes happen because they need to happen, and not because someone wants them to happen. So, I right. mean, so Tony said it best four years ago, right? Uh, <laughs> injuries are making better uh, lineup uh, choices than Paul Maurice. You know, uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's 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 crazy, and I I didn't even see. Maybe you guys can fill me in on where Sammy Niku is. Um, he's in the top nine, I'm guessing. Top seven. Yeah, he's uh, in the Because he top. was rotating out on the third pairing the other day. Um, so, I, sorry, I did pay attention to Camp because I saw he was rotating um, on that third pairing. I don't know if he's going to be in the opening lineup, but he's on the opening roster, I believe. List, I believe you have that in front of you. 
Yeah, yeah, I pulled it up. So you have seven guys, so you, I don't know who's going to get scratched. But you have DeMello, Pullman, Pionk, Niku, Forward, Morsi, and Bulu. So he makes the most sense to scratch, I think. If you're going by the way that Paul Maurice rolls based on that lineup, he's probably the scratch. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, based and, on the coach, yes. Based on... And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to get negative. <laughs> and like, and I know well there's been a ton of talk about the pairings right um mm-hmm. so we might as well talk about that I mean uh first pairing Poolman seems crazy and uh DeMello down to the third pair um I yeah. I just you know you for me what what I've been struggling with is why the league is changing. We all know that. We don't have to get into that, right? Defense, defensemen, and this is an, uh, an obvious thing to a lot of us, but not to everybody. A defenseman's job is to retrieve the puck and get it out of the zone. That's what defense is now in 2021, right? It's not hammering guys in the corner and, and cross-checking them in the back. It's getting the puck out of your end. They can't score if the puck's not in your end. Now, our scouts, our drafting has... Has, has tried to do that, but the coach or the defensive coach or the strategy, whatever it is, isn't built for that. And it, 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 it that's where the aggravation comes in when you've got Hainola. I know he's still young and a Niku and you're signing a guy like Spiza. That's the complete opposite. And I know he's not here now. So you, you, but the whole thing, it seems to me that um, a DeMello is more that type of defenseman and he's demoted. Whereas a Tucker Pullman is playing on the top pair. And I just don't understand, as usual, what the strategy is. What are we doing? Uh, yeah, it's, I don't it's know. And I, I don't remember who it was. One of you two who had said the thing about Pullman. They're wondering if it's a loyalty thing, why he's getting that top spot during training camp and possibly during opening night. And I don't know, like, at what point is that speculation or is it true? Or, like, because I... Yes, he was fine against Calgary. He was one of our better players in that series. But, like, first pairing in the NHL, mm, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I I usually have a hard time uh, hating on if a player's on the top pairing or the third pairing based on who's who they're actually good with. Because who's he going to be with on that first pairing, right, Josh Morrissey? Yeah. So... Maybe Josh Morrissey doesn't work well with our second best defenseman overall. Maybe he doesn't work good with our third best defenseman. And you have to think that maybe Tucker Pullman's the sixth best defenseman in the top six, but maybe he works really well with Morrissey. And that's how Morrissey uh, levels himself up to a first pairing defenseman, right? Um, I'm not saying that is the case. I think there's going to be a lot of juggling to start this season listen there was no preseason games there was a really condensed training camp it's it's just weird times right now so they're gonna have to experiment a bit and uh maybe the pullman experiment lasts a period right Uh, i guess we'll see i think what i saw a lot on twitter was that they had a big pdo um you know surge of luck at the end of last year and but overall the results aren't great i agree with you i i think the ideal situation when you have a defensive 
group is to have three good defensemen and three whatever defensemen and go one, two, three. Um, I think that's a great strategy, right? But at the same time, could you, is he the guy? I'm not sure, but I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Maybe the pairs are better, sort of like how they, a lot of teams do, not our team, but a lot of teams do with the forwards. They do pairs rather than lines, right? Uh, forward and a winger, forward and a winger, forward and a winger, and then add the other winger as the season goes and try and figure out who that is. So that's a, that's a distinct possibility, and I think you could be right on what their thought process is. Um, so then that leaves Sandberg and Stanley on um, the taxi squad, and no, no Jay, no Enola. I don't know who else is relevant, but what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, is there an AHL season this year? I think it's supposed to start in February or something. Yeah, okay. So I don't think when you see that Sandberg or some of these other defensemen are getting sent down to the moose, it's a big deal. Uh, I think they're kind of wasted away if they're sitting on the taxi squad. I don't think the taxi squad really gets a look unless there's something uh, like an outbreak on your team, right? Uh, that's just for COVID protocol. But I, I don't know. I, I don't make anything of those. Well, <laughs> I do make one thing out of that. I actually tweeted about it the other day. Um where Marie said something like, I'm trying to stall so I can bring it up. He said something in the same interview he contradicted. Right. He said he reiterates his desire not to keep good young players on the taxi squad if they could play big minutes in the AHL. And then he says that the expectation is that Hainola will start on the taxi squad. Listen, Paul, buddy. Hinoa is a good young player. Do not put him on the taxi squad. He's not going to learn being there. Put him down in the moose where he can actually get some playing time. And then call him up if you need to. I don't know how call-ups are going to work this year, but he just contradicts himself, or he doesn't think Hinoa is a good young player. Listen, you can go down to the moose, and you can win defenseman of the year, playing big minutes, and still never get a chance. So I guess you're still not a good young player. So, yeah, uh, back to your original question, Liz. Uh, the fact that Logan Stanley is one injury away from playing is scary. I guess he's two injuries away um, if Sammy's on the actual roster. Um, but again, like Ryan says, you get, uh, you know, if, if uh, and we haven't even talked about it yet, if Nick Ehlers give somebody else the sniffles logan stanley's playing and that's that's a scary thought this defense is bad enough it doesn't need any help from from stanley oh my god yeah no <laughs> no i i heard something from someone who is watching training camp a media member that this was probably the best they've seen logan stanley now i know the bar was set pretty low so for him to be the best he's ever looked, who knows what that looks like? But um, I guess that's promising that he's. It's nice to not hear all bad. I agree. <laughs> They've never said anything bad about him, but I know what you're saying. But 
he's always just been a project. He's two years away from being two years away. Um, he's so slow that, like I, I've said it for a couple of years, he looks like um, a Czechs hockey player, the way he moves and, and hit, shoots the puck. He just looks like he's swiveling and like everything is stationary. He doesn't have any... Uh, it's a disaster. That's great if he looks the best he's looked, but that's scary when, and especially when you've got guys that can play. Um, apparently, Sandberg's last couple of days in camp, he was one of the better players on the ice and at the scrimmage too. And again, are we? You hate to paint anything with a brush this early, but are we going to have another incident where people sit around again? Maybe he doesn't belong in there yet, but does it? I don't know. I don't want to jump to any conclusions on that. Never mind. And then anyone who kind of watched that World Junior Tournament, um, that was, like lots of people are very, very convinced that Anola could make this roster and should make this roster and play good minutes in the NHL. Like, because he was, like, he showed, like, from what I was, when I was watching, he looked like he was a very, like, he looked prepared. But again, you don't like rushing defensemen, and we do have, as you know, eh, as they are, we do have defensemen lined up, so there's no need to rush him. But that's also a possibility, and people, some people think that it might be a waste to. Well, obviously, it would be a waste to put him on the taxi squad, but even to give him a season in the AHL. Do you think Hainola would be playing if he were six foot four and two hundred and fifteen pounds? Yes. Yes. Right, he would have played so, last year. Right, and then I have a big problem with um, not what I just said. I have a big problem with 18, 19, 20 year olds not playing because they're not ready. How come Sidney Crosby was ready at eighteen? How come Connor McDavid was ready at eighteen? Just be that, and not only were they ready, they were the best player in the league. So, is it not possible that a nineteen year old could be the third best defenseman on your team? If if it's also possible that Connor McDavid was the best player in the world at 19, like I don't get it. It's so much politics. It's so um, just this is how we've always done it, right? Like yeah. I don't get it. If you can, if again, if you can be the best player in the world at that age, you can be a reliable player at that age. You yeah. don't trust your own. Do you not trust your own coaching? Do you not trust your own systems? Finnish players are smart. Finnish players do the job by the book. Why wouldn't a Finnish player get a chance? I, and that's generalizing, but that's there's no disputing that, right? That's what they're known for is is how how just good at everything they are at the basics. Why wouldn't uh, I don't get it? I think you if you can contribute, it doesn't matter how old you are. And he was even a step up from the basics. Like he was playing with um, what's his name? I think he's a Toronto prospect, um, Niemela or whatever. They were the they played like thirty minutes a game in the in Finland's last two games in the World Juniors, and they weren't like it, it's a kids' tournament. They're they're young, but he is showing the mannerisms and doing the like the shutdown role of a actual NHL defenseman. And it's like okay, maybe he is also playing against guys who are small. Er, um, and not, you know, your Ryan O'Reilly's in the Central Division, even though we're not playing this year. Um, but like you said, like that guy would easily be a top six defenseman on this Winnipeg Jets team, no question. But he's five foot ten and nineteen years old. So or I don't know how tall he is, I made that up, but 
Yeah, and then it goes back to what I was mentioning earlier is why are we drafting these guys if if that's not the strategy we're playing or the or you know the idea of what a defenseman should be. Yeah, and that makes it look like your coach and your GM are just not on the same page. So they're not. They, they <laughs> haven't been ever. Like I always say, you don't trade for Peyton Manning and then run the ball every play. Like it, it's the same thing, right? You you mm-hmm. you 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 coach to your skill. We're drafting the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's enough of being the dead horse of the oh my god what is this decor let's look at some of the forwards that we have on tomorrow's roster so okay so let's move into forwards now and take a look at um so when the jets tweeted their opening day roster there are 12 guys on the list since then we've signed lewis which makes 13 and then perot was in the line rushes which makes it 14 if so and that would put Harkins and Veselainen as your two extras. So Murat had tweeted out um, the lines in yesterday's scrimmage. So that was Ehlers, Tykley Wheeler, Connor Stassny-Line, Kopp, Lowry, Appleton. And then he had mentioned that Kopp and Lowry did do a little bit of a flip-flop and Kopp was playing center and Lowry was playing left wing. Um, and then Perot, Thompson, Lewis. And yeah, so it says Gus and Vesa and Harkins were the extra forwards. Um, and then... <laughs> One of my friends, Brady, Brady, um, guest on the podcast every now and then, he texted when we found out about Ehlers, and he's like, oh my god, now that Ehlers is out, we're probably going to have Connor Shifley-Wheeler, and they'll play together for the rest of us. You know what, if we have Connor Shifley-Wheeler, whatever, as long as Line gets Stastny, then we're all good, right? Isn't that what he wants? He just wants to do a Stastny again? Something like that. Does is it, or does he want to be with Shifley? I think he wants to be with somebody. <laughs> I think he wants to not be with Brian Little or Cody Eakin. Yes. Well, I think that's fair. Yeah. But um, I, that whole Shifley and Liney thing just—I feel like that's such a played-out, speculative art. Like you have to think they just don't work at this point because otherwise it only makes sense for them to play together. But now with Stassany, hopefully it'll work out with um, them. But I don't know if both, having both Connor and Liney on the same line might be a bit of a, a a defensive drag, but we'll see. That's not... What are the chances that that lasts more than like two or three games? Like, I just don't see it. Everything as... A... Uh, let's all take a big dump on the coach again, but everything he says is just bullshit. Do you remember in the playoffs, the playoffs, those are air quotes last year when he said, Hark's going to play a long time in this league. Now he does not even playing already. First game. He can't, he can't crack the lineup after he was the best jet in the, against Calgary. After Nate Thompson makes the cut. Right. Like, it's just all, it's all lie. Like, like Ryan already pointed out a, like an actual example of him just lying. Um, you've got Thompson playing, who should probably again. It's the same as the Matt Hendricks thing. Probably shouldn't even be in the league. Do you guys see his um, penalty killing? He's on the second penalty killing unit, and he's literally like the worst penalty killer in the NHL. Just like we used to do with Mark Stewart. <laughs> like, I just don't understand. Um, 
you could have, like we've talked about, you could have um, three scoring lines. Uh, Philadelphia did what we talked about in the playoffs. They did it now permanently, it looks like, where they've got their three best players on three separate lines. Um, you know, I just don't understand what they're trying to achieve. They're going to run on this condensed schedule. They're going to run the top two lines into the ground. They're going to flip-flop Connor back to the first line, I'm sure of it, um, which whatever. But I just want to see something different. Like, um, we weren't good last year. Why are we have essentially the same roster? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's very true. Like, and again, what, what was it? This is like the eighth season or something like that. Like, and we've won like three playoffs or two play. I don't even know. Like, and it's just, it's frustrating because yeah, like you said, like that, we know what's going to happen. We can predict very, very surely and in good confidence what's likely going to happen, even though it doesn't win games or playoff series or divisions or anything like that. <laughs> um, Ryan? Um, the yeah, four? I mean, it, it's been <laughs> eight. It's been eight seasons. We've made the playoffs three times, swept the first time, had a pretty good run the second time, um, and then lose to St. Louis in the first round. I I don't know. I don't have much to say on uh, on how the forwards are being utilized because it's the same thing over and over. In my interview with Marat, um, just talking about how Maurice said that, um, I can't remember what the exact quote was, but basically that there's a deeper systematic problem with the forwards than there is with the defense. And then Marat said, and I fundamentally agree. And I do too, like, again, with the defense thing is we look at it and our big problem is the personnel. And like, yeah, we don't love the whole, like, so there's some of the structure that like, we're not huge on with the old fashioned box and whatnot, but the forwards, it just, it seems like nothing works. And lots of teams, I think, like when I listen to people who are not Jets fans talk about the Jets, they're like, yeah, their defense sucks and they have so much, they have a great goaltender and so much star forward potential. But it's like, but if we have so much star forward potential, why aren't they, like, yes, they score. But if that's our big guns, like our big, that's our card that we play, I don't know how, how good and how accurate that actually is, you know. Well, it really hasn't been that way recently, it seems. Like, the Jets aren't going out there and blowing teams out of the water. Like, Ehlers, Line, Shifley, Connor, whoever, aren't putting up massive, massive numbers. Sure, we have a couple of good players who are putting up decent numbers, but we're not getting lines that are actually adhering and, and acting like a line. And working together and not being an offensive uh, powerhouse. And what I really, a lot of people are saying, well, now we got Stastny back. Remember the year the Jets went far and they were a powerhouse and they uh, did great in the playoffs? Well, they had Paul Stastny. Well, listen, Paul Stastny's two and a half years older now, right? Mm-hmm. What, three years coming up? Yeah. Well, and when you're in your mid to late 30s, things start to go downhill from there. Um, that I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of people that are saying, well, this is the year they become offensive powerhouses again. Let's look at all the big numbers they're going to put up because they have a second line center. 
Well, he's old and slow and slowing down just like Blake Wheeler. So, if if anything, I think we remain the same. It's that's a tough place to hang your like your all your hopes and dreams on a thirty five year old second line center, right? Um, I maybe he's not thirty five, but I think he's pretty close. I think he's like thirty six or something. Like I think Kate Movie's not that old, but I've hey, Google, how old is Paul Stastny? Thirty five. There you go. So, okay. Um, where was I at here? <laughs> My biggest frustration is with all of this offensive talent that we have. Is for the <laughs> for the do you watch the game guys? How often do you watch a Jets game where they maintain any sort of pressure in the offensive zone? Uh, Shifley and Wheeler are hammered in their own zone the whole game, the whole time they play in their own zone. Um, the only time they score is on the power play or in a transition. Um, they dump and chase. It's all of it just doesn't seem to make sense. Cop and Lowry, other than the playoffs, can't score. So you're running this third line that you should be getting support from. They can't score. You play your fourth line three minutes a game. Um, and then your top line gets outplayed like all of the time they're getting outplayed. They score lots of points, yes, at the end of the year, but they're not helping you uh same goes with connor as much as uh you know we love him for scoring 30 goals 40 goals this and that at the end of the season you're not coming out ahead because he's costing you on d um and again you're talking less about the systems what is the system because like i said you don't even get to see it they're stuck in their own zone the whole game and then they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off because of their stupid defensive system I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I was watching uh, Oilers Flyers game on the classic channel from the finals in 1986 or something. And they're playing the same defense that the Oilers were playing in 1987. (laughs) And I'm not joking. It's exactly the same. It looked the same, all of it. And guess who played on that team? Charlie Huddy. (laughs) (laughs) You got like, you know what I mean? And I, it's not, you know, I'm not joking. <laughs> you know, it's not funny. It's the same shit. And and so you're just in your own zone the whole damn game. And then it goes back to what we are talking about earlier. Where's Hanola? Where's Niku to get the puck out? Where's well, Ehlers? More players like Ehlers to, to carry the puck over the blue line. Mm-hmm. Where is this? Um, with all of these players, how are we not really good? We missed yeah. the playoffs last year with the Vesna winning goalie. Well, and then you have a puck carrier on your team who is considered to be elite in the entire NHL, and he is the only man on your top six who can actually do that in a competent way. Like like you were saying about how Shifley and Wheeler only score on transitions or on the power play. It's because they don't carry the puck out of the zone or into the zone as well as a top scoring line should. So... And also, every time I see that 10-year patch on the Jets jersey, it's 10 years of the Jets back in Winnipeg, but also 10 years of Charlie Huddy doing our defensive coaching. So there's that. <laughs> I I can't believe that any coach in any league has a job for 10 years, especially when you've had, like, the worst defense for eight of those 10 years. Was it you that tweeted today that even Stanley Cup winning coaches don't 
last this long? Yeah. Joel Quenville got fired like two years after he won three Stanley Cups in five years. Dan Bowlesma? Hmm? Like Dan Bowlesma in, uh, in uh, Pittsburgh? He was yeah. gone shortly after they won, right? Yeah. And you don't even get it if you want a, a cup in the past. You know what I mean? Like if you want a cup eight years ago when you're on your next team, you don't get this kind of grace period. And a lot of our a lot of the people we follow or a lot of people that follow podcasts or, or that we talk to on Twitter will say, well, who would you hire then? That's always their comeback, right? Well, who would you hire then? It's not about that. It's about what's working right now. You figure out who you hire. Maybe it's a guy in college that that knows how to play with, you know, nine really good forwards like we have or whatever it is. But eight years is ludicrous. Ten years of Charlie Huddy and the goalie coach is ludicrous. It's actually insane. You get two years in the NFL, two years, 32 games. If you don't turn it around, everybody's gone. And we're on eight with with two series wins. I don't know. It's a tough time. You have Mike Babcock, who is cons- was considered to be one of, if not the best coach in the NHL at that point in time, whatever. And he had this Toronto roster that, dare I say, looks a little bit like ours. Like, you don't have the big, gritty guys who play the way that Paul Maurice and Mike Babcock want to organize their team. And guess what? It doesn't work. You're out of there. And you bring in someone who's willing to do that. Like, makes sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> All of these people that defend Paul Maurice on Twitter and and in the newspaper and all that. How many, and I say this quite often, how many other rosters would you prefer than ours? That's my, that's my big thing. We've got a fantastic roster overall. Again, defense. Yeah. Comes and goes, whatever. But like, if you're okay with this amount of talent and you're a big Chevy fan, Oh, he drafts so good and blah, 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 blah. You have all of this. But yet, these are the results we're getting. What's the disconnect? Are you saying the players are bad? So you can't like Chevy and Maurice at this point. That's not. That's an impossibility. Yeah, like every team has their shit, right? Like it's always like people are like oh adversity with like different things. Like every team has bad players. Every team has problems like injuries, like, traveling. Yeah. Like, it's not, like you said, yeah, like, how many rosters would you rather have? Like, no other team in the NHL has a Kyle Connor and Patrick Line in combination. No other team. Like, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Again, I look at a team like Vancouver. The, we have ten times the talent Vancouver has. Ten times, and they were but better they than us. But they have Tyler Myers. That's we true. We have Logan Stanley. <laughs> it's anyway at this point <laughs> yeah the leaf eater but you know what it's been many months and we have to air our grievances because that's what we do but we we i think we've done an okay job of also bringing up yes there are a lot of good things on this team to be excited about and like yeah like stassi is old but it's gonna be so cool to have him back and like it's going to be fun to watch them play hockey again because they're a fun hockey club to watch. But, like, it, it they is... They have the potential to be. They have the potential to be fun to watch. 
This yeah, is the problem that's... with the Winnipeg Jets and why I keep wearing the jerseys, why I keep buying the hats, why I keep going to the games is because I know they have potential to be the best fucking team in the league and I really enjoy following along. But God damn it, is it frustrating to see them fail year that's... after year. That's change with no change. That's why I'm on this podcast, not because I'm a fake fan, because I'm a real fan that gives a shit whether they win or lose. Yeah, no, and like you said, like teams do suck. Like it happens, and then you change things. You change your personnel. You change your coaching staff. You change your GM. You change something because if it's not working, like if you're a shitty team, you've got shitty players, and you finish shitty. Great. That's that's how it goes. You're but don't expectations. That's right. But don't come at us four years ago with 2019 Stanley Cup champions, and we have the best young roster in the league, and you know, oh, who? And then just shit the bed, shit the bed, shit the bed. Let's see some fucking results. This is where we're at now. If and and here's the other thing we haven't talked about yet. If Connor Hellebuck slips back to normal this year. There's going to be a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, that's definitely a thing, too. Yeah. Where if he, if he plays average hockey. Yeah. Like, it, even if he plays above average, we're kind of screwed. I mean, he was stand on his head for every night last year, and they didn't make the playoffs. They made the whatever you'd call that play in in the league but yeah one of those teams one of those seven that didn't was detroit and one of them was ottawa like like it's you should be beating those teams so yeah i agree that even if he's not average even if he's above average but he's not vesna buck then you're not even close to the playoffs man now i should also say that hey this is a pre-season preview show like we're going into the season tomorrow we haven't seen them play a game yet maybe they come out and start blowing teams out of the water hellebuck standing on his head for bort or whatever his fucking name <laughs> is is the best defenseman in the league who knows i'm going to be positive about it i'm going to go into it thinking all right let's go new year let's let's start fresh let's just win some hockey games so yeah, maybe we're just pissed off about years previous, but I think that's because we just don't see changes in the training camp that say, okay, they're going to make a leap this year where things are actually looking like the, the puzzle pieces are being put in the right spot. So, yes, let's remember that the season hasn't even started. Let's, let's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be that way. And I, you know, I, I feel bad about being negative. Um, and I, you know, it's a funny, it's a, it's a funny analogy maybe. Um, but even the blue bombers, they won the great cup last year. And I know we're not, it's not a football podcast, but all they've been doing is re-signing their same team. That's not good enough. You need to get better. If you're staying the same, you're not getting better. Right. And that goes in pretty much anything in life. And that's where the struggle is. How much did they improve with who they signed, who they brought in and who left? I don't, I don't think marginally maybe they're a better team on paper so what what tells us what gives us hope that they're going to be so much better i'd love them to be like like ryan said i'm in the same position i'd love them to be this is why we're here 
I want them to be good. I want to feel a Stanley Cup and and all of it, but it, it's tough to picture that they're going to be so much better. And then you look at some of the other teams in the Canadian division, where do we see them finishing? Like, I think it's pretty much consensus. Toronto's going to be first. I, I agree with that. Montreal, you, you do? Yeah, no, I, I have no faith in Toronto. I never have. And maybe it's a bias. I do not think that they're top of the division at the end of the year. In 56 Who, games, no. Who's better than them? I don't know. <laughs> like, but but back to what before, like, I want to just jump on this last thing, whatever. I think the team is as good as Shifley is every year. Like, if Shifley is able to play as good as, like, if he's the Mark Shifley that we know he could be, I feel like the team is better. When Shifley plays, like, crap for a whole season, the team sucks. Like, I'm very, very convinced that that's, like, a, there's a strong correlation there. Very convinced. <laughs> That's a that's a fair thing. I think you're as good as your best players for sure, right? And they were the best when he played a 200 foot game and was a a good like a top player. He hasn't been that for the last you know two seasons, we'll say. So I don't disagree with that. But yeah, no, with this whole division, like it's so I feel like like I say that Toronto's not going to fit. It's probably just because I hate them, but also. Like, I, I really think it's anyone's game. Like, yes, Ottawa is a bit of a lost cause. I genuinely believe that. But I feel like any team could come together, band of misfits, whatever, that kind of fun story, and win this division. I genuinely do, because I don't think it's guaranteed to anyone at this point. That's fair. I, so uh, would you say, like, for me, I think it goes Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton as the top three and then obviously winnipeg calgary and 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 vancouver in that next group right so it's hard it's almost impossible to predict that that's kind of like i've always said you can't say it's gonna a series is gonna go to game seven and who's gonna win yeah you're basically predicting one team to win one game it's sort of the same thing when you're talking about those so but i i mean i think you're right though Liz. i think you know for example the jets could finish second or they could finish sixth. Right, yeah. Depending on like how, how they fall, right? I think the Winnipeg, Winnipeg and Vancouver, those are my two. I feel like they are going to be, like, surprises. Like, people are kind of throwing the middle of the pack. I think both of them are either going to absolutely tank or they're going to <laughs> soar. That's my, because I, I feel like they're just kind of unpredictable. Right, <laughs> I think. Calgary is your possible number three as well, though. Like, look, they got Markstrom in that now. They've they've been looking for a starting goaltender since Mika Kiprasov. Yeah, yeah. And now they have that. So, Calgary is a good young team that I think could really surprise. But yeah, I agree that when you say it's probably going to be Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal in your top three. Well, then you have that next three that we were just talking about, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, fighting for one spot. So it's tough. Montreal's a a throw-up. A throw-up. I agree. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) because Montreal is, I mean, they got in through the play-ins last year. They weren't going to make the playoffs. They sold at the trade deadline. They got stronger through free agency. And, of course, they have Carey Price, who is – regress but just, it's carry price yeah. he just looks like he can stop the puck a regress, yeah. 
Drew Price is still a top 15 goalie in the league. <laughs> I saw that. Oh, that's the best. But, oh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it, it's going to be tough to tell uh, until we're I mean, what is it? It's usually American Thanksgiving that you can tell where a team's at. What's going to be the equivalent this year? Yeah, that's the season? Yeah, Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, month of the season will be Valentine's Day. So um, we'll see where they're at then. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to make any sort of real prognostication other than on paper right and how many people draft their fantasy team and are like oh this is the best team and and finish ninth in their league so it's hard to say for sure right now i mean if you want if you want someone else's opinion that's not just three fans sitting in their basements then go listen to the marat episode we're saying what we see from a fan perspective but Murat's going to break down where he thinks everything's going to slot in player-wise and team-wise. No, that's true. Yeah, no. And yeah, like, obviously, this is our whole thing is that it's a fan podcast run by fans for fans kind of thing. Like, we're not uh, pretending that we're experts in any way, but it's like kind of just a, this is what we're observing and this is what we're feeling. And if there's a consensus of what the three of us are feeling, it's very likely that other people are feeling it too. So let me tell you. We're not experts. We're just here talking about the Florida Panthers day in and day out. <laughs> That's right. Oh, is this the wrong podcast? Oh shit. Yeah. Hey, do we have <laughs> do we have those Twitter couple Twitter questions? Yeah, I was just pulling them up right now, actually. Yeah. So and while I'm getting those pulled up, so John Tortorella today announced that Pierre Luc Dubois is legitimate that's legitimate. He wants a trade. At what point do you say screw it? <laughs> Waffle lining. Let's go. Yeah, just do it. Get it over with. I don't disagree. I don't want him to leave, but why not? I believe that's going to be one of the questions that come up. Is it? Uh Yeah, it's the Twitter thread where I fired you from the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Was that (laughs) if you're on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. And then I met with like the board of governors and we voted to uh, part ways. <laughs> Is this how I find out? All right. <laughs> live, live on the podcast. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish you would have brought Donald Trump in here to do that for you, but. Um, Break okay. him out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. We did touch on the uh, Morrissey Pullman thing, but um, thoughts on the power play units and what an ideal bottom six would look like. I think that's a good question because, like, when I was watching the World Juniors, I it made me realize that, like, when you have your 12 forwards in the World Juniors, you have 12 guys who are potentially going to be first liners in the NHL. And your third line is not supposed to, or your fourth line is not supposed to be guys who are going to score 40 goals a year and are, like your snipers and whatever like and I just thought it was interesting it had a team the same guys almost like 12 guys were very similar so mm-hmm. what would the ideal bottom six look like I think that's a very good question because we sort of talked about the bottom six we have right now what uh... so for me last time we were on list I said 
it's not really fun to do this stuff because of the coach. Mm-hmm. Right. It's really not. Cause like uh, my bottom six includes Blake Wheeler. Um, <laughs> but Paul Marie laughs in your face. Paul, right. Exactly. So for me with this coach, I think it's right. Other than I would probably take out Thompson and maybe put Perot at fourth line center and put uh, Harkins in. I know Pearl hasn't played center a lot in Winnipeg. um, So maybe there's some tinkering there. Um, Again, my bottom six includes Adam Lowry as as our fourth line center. It always has. Not because I don't think he's not a a third line center. He is. But if you're going to win the Stanley Cup. He's a great fourth line center. He's like, he's the best fourth line center in the NHL, right? Um, But that's never going to be a thing either. So you, you have two different ways of looking at it. With the roster and this coach, I would say take Thompson out and um, and put uh, Harkins in. And and it looks as good as it can look using Maurice's structure. Well, and that's the thing, we'll go back to the structure thing, because correct me if I'm wrong, but the Jets right now are playing the center plays the defensive role. It's not first forward back. It's the center who always plays in that spot, right? So if you were playing in a way that it was first forward back, it wouldn't even matter if Pro was playing center or not. Like That's right. he has experience playing it. Who cares? First guy back, just do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's valid. And like you said, yeah, with like Blake Wheeler, like it makes sense. I feel like to have him in your bottom six on a really good team. Like, that's a good team if you have Blake Wheeler as your third-line right-winger. Like, sure. Well, I mean, your third line could be, and I'm just spitballing here, and again, I know he's not around, but your third line could be, you know, Cop, Wheeler, Roslevic. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or whatever, some something like that. And that, that's, there's nothing, that's a, you know, that's not a, a third line that's not to be messed with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, that's all spitballing, and that's just off the top of my head or whatever. But I'm just saying, like, again, like the Philly thing, having Giroux on the third line and, and you know, some of the stuff Pittsburgh's done in the past. That's, to me, the way to go when you have so much talent and you can't get guys ice time. Yeah. If you get good players ice time, why aren't you spreading out the minutes? And, and you could do so much. And how much harder does it make you to play against if, if your third line and your fourth line are stacked it makes you so much harder to play against than your, than what this is. You don't even have to account for the fourth line when you're playing the jets. Yeah. They might as well not be there. They take three shifts a uh, period. Maybe. At most. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Ryan, do you have a top six that you or bottom six? Sorry. That, no, no, I'm gonna agree with everything Chris said there. I we're on the same page for bottom six. I mean, yeah, when he talked about putting Blake Wheeler on on the third line and Adam Lowry on the fourth line. I mean, yeah, I had something to say in my head and I forgot how I was gonna phrase it, so I'm just gonna pretend I didn't have anything in my head and send it back over to you. <laughs> all right um so and then someone did bring up um the whole idea of having Brussel have a good season and I think that that's super valid when you have such a condensed schedule like 
you need to have a strong goalie tangent. I think it's almost like a necessity if you want to finish in a playoff position in your division is you need to have a backup goalie that can play when if your top goalie gets hurt or if he starts sucking or with the natural the nature of the schedule or a lot of back-to-backs like thoughts any thoughts on that Brian you're more of a goalie whisperer I mean Brassois coming into his third season and I haven't had a moment where I thought why is this guy our backup goalie um, when he's come in, he's been strong. He's not going to take a ton of time from Hellebuck. I mean, it's a, sh- it's not that condensed of a schedule. I mean, it is a bit, but they also shortened it to fifty odd games or whatever it is, right? Sixty. I, I don't. Fifty six, I think. Yeah. So it's in a shorter amount of time. It's a shorter amount of games. They're going to ride Hellebuck again, and maybe on some back to backs they put Brossois in, but he's been a he's been a good option for the Jets the last couple of years. I mean, last year wasn't as great as his first year here, but, hey, I mean, he, he's a pretty good option. When you look at what this team had in its first few seasons as a as a tandem, you really appreciate the Hellebuck-Brossois one-two combo here. Yeah, I want your Chris Mason, Steve Mason, Al Montoya, the whole, with Andre Pavlik as, as your starter, that's, that's not the tendon that you want. So let's let's not forget when we talk about how much about Brossois playing. Let's not forget that Paul Maurice played Archer Zerbe, I think, seventy six games in an eighty two game schedule. So it's possible that he doesn't even play this year. So <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Archer Zerbe, I forgot about that guy. Man, oh. he white pads, eh? When those oh, things, yeah. at the end of a game, they look like they weighed 120 pounds each because they were just soaked with water. And the Yofa helmet. Oh, <laughs> man. Old, I have an Arthur Zerbe uh, uh, jersey, actually. Legend. Yeah. Arthur Zerbe, I think his jersey was wider than it was tall. I think I think you're well, right. I'm not saying he was a fat man. He was a short, little stocky goalie, I think. Yeah, he was like the last short goalie uh, uh, other than uh, Tim Thomas, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was dead then, so. Okay, <laughs> and then maybe I'll just bring up this last point, the the Kishore point that got us thinking. This is, and I quote, he says, given what's happening with Line A and Rosselbeck and many of the misses on D options this offseason, a spotlight on Chevy. What does he need to do during the season? Ryan, I want you to start off this one because I know you've been thinking about it. I'm not going to lie. I've been looking up Archer Zerbe's stats. I didn't hear a word he just said. He was <laughs> five foot seven. No, Holy he's five foot eight. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought he was five feet. That was my guess. I, <laughs> I'm not meant to podcast because I'm looking at Archer Zerbe's stats. 190 pounds, five foot eight. Yeah. How many games? How many games did he play that year? Um, seventy-five, seventy-seven. Oh. oh my God! He played seventy-five, and then the next year was seventy-seven. <laughs> he played one hundred fifty-two out of one hundred sixty-four possible. That's incredible. I don't know if that math even made sense, but I said it. <laughs> Oh man. 
Anyways, so, go back. Is it the uh, is it the question about the thing where I commented? Yeah. Okay, I'll say this. Jack Rosalvik, I think he's overrated. Do I think he's a bad hockey player? No. Do I want him not on the Winnipeg Jets? No. Do I think he's a superstar that we need to hold on to and get a big haul for? No. You can sign guys like Jack Rosalvik in free agency. You can, you can easily trade for these guys. Is he young and does he still have potential to grow more? Sure. But I don't think that he's, he's worth holding on to and losing for nothing, which I, I don't really think that's an option right now. But um, I think you do move him. As for, as for Line, hold on to him. You still control him. Surround him by good players. This year he has Paul Stastny. Or, um, I was going to say Mark Wheeler. Mark Shifley <laughs> as his center options. That might keep him happy for a year. And then, and then say, Cole Perfetti comes in. And now that's, and now that's a setup guy, right? You got to keep him happy by giving him a good center. I think you just try to ride this one out. But the question was, um, I believe the question was, if you have to move them for D help, do you do it? No, sure. I think the question was more like basically what moves need to be made this season, specifically. Like, okay, so yeah, actually, I have it here. It says what's happening with Lonnie Wozniak and many of the misses on D options this off season. The spotlight, yeah. Um, I think you, you can't really comment on that stuff right now. No one's gonna make a trade. You can't make moves right now, right? No one's going to want, if we go back to Jack Rosalvik, no one's going to want him right now. Teams just submitted their rosters. They just had their training camps. They're looking at their young players. They decided their AHL and their taxi squad. No one's saying, I need to trade for a Jack Rosalvik right now. That's what we need after one game this season. Um, I think it's something that you talk about in the offseason or closer to the trade deadline. Um but during during the season, I, I don't know. Again, I'm going to talk about Line A. If, if there's an option that you're going to get a massive haul, then do it. But I think you have to hold on to him otherwise. You don't say, well, he could leave, so we'll take this prospect and this player and hope that's all right. No, you wait for a big haul. You wait for a prospect, a draft pick, a top six forward or a top pairing defenseman that's what you wait for i don't know if i answered the question that's just what i had going on in my mind when i saw the question two nights ago well i think in a like a a point that i've said before and i want to reiterate is when it comes to the line thing is you don't train a loony for three quarters like there's like oh nothing drives me more crazy when people are like oh we want patrick line on our team they're like a freaking like i don't know like Carolina fan, they're like, oh, you can have like this second pairing defenseman, a first rounder, and one of our press box guys. It's like, huh? No. Like, yeah, it's got to be some sort of thing if, if we get rid of him at all, kind of thing. But, anyways, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I, 
the track record, right? Nothing's going to happen during the season. So we don't even really need to talk about it. Um, if they fall apart, they're going to have excuses because that's what they do. And if they have a half decent season, that's going to be good enough because that's, that's what this organization does. Off of adversity. It's been a challenge. So, you know, it, the first year was their first year. The second year, they were in the wrong division. The third year, they changed divisions. The fourth year, they had a coaching change. The fifth year, they had uh, the strike. The sixth year, they had injuries. The seventh year, they had a bad travel schedule. Like, there's been an excuse every damn year, and I'm not even joking. Um, but so that doesn't matter. Um, we could talk more about about the line A and Rossovic thing. I agree with Ryan 100%. And there, you, there's probably 75 Jack Roslovics in the NHL. So great. You yeah. do whatever you got to do, get something for him, make him happy, make your team better or as good, whatever. And just as a point, if anybody's still listening, that was always my thing when it was came down to the, uh, who's better Connor line, a thing. There's no other player in the NHL, like Patrick line. There's about 17 or 18 other Kyle Connors. So that's why line is the one you keep out of the two. That being said, I agree with what we were talking about before we started recording. I would seriously do what you said, Liz. I would trade him straight up for, uh, for Dubois. Honestly, maybe that's not great value. Maybe somebody adds whatever, whatever. But point being, uh, we saw what happens when you try and piecemeal something. You never win a trade when you trade the best player. Trade one for one. Take a chance, right? You got two really good centers for the next 12 years, if you want, in Shifley and Dubois and Perfetti now. I mean, try it. You've got enough wingers. Uh, you're the best in the NHL at drafting and developing, so you should have no problem replacing somebody like that. Uh, I just, I, I again, to the actual question, he's not going. Chevy's not going to do anything, so it doesn't matter what we want him to do. Well, and even if he wanted to like I again we've talked about this so many times too it's just you wonder how much control he actually has as a GM and relative to other GMs in the league and you wonder but um that whole Dubois thing like I'm very invested in that because I'm very convinced that both of their market values are just going to drop based on like when a player wants out you know that a team's hands are tied when it comes to them so you might not get as much back for them as they might be worth so you do the one for one all of a sudden, you have Shifley and Dubois down the middle. Dubois might end up taking him over for that first center position. I don't care. Cole Perfetti played left wing or something. Yeah, he played left wing in the World Juniors, and he was good at it. Yes, people see him as a center, and they're like, yes, we want a center on this team. He's a good left wing, too. Like, Yeah, you don't need – sorry, you don't need <laughs> – You don't need him to play center if you have Dubois and Shifley. No. Yes. Right. And so he replaces line A theoretically. He's extremely versatile. Like he, um, he's very. Um, sorry, my brother just started playing piano. Um, like he could play on the wing, and then you have because right now we have Connor and Line A and Wheeler, who aren't they're they're good at what they do, but they're not that like you said, two hundred foot player who the defensive, the zone entry, blah, 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 whatever. Cole Perfetti can do all that. So it's like you don't necessarily need to have that guy as your center. Having him on the, you know, freaking Mark Stone up in here. Like, it's, you know, like, looks good to me, so. 
Good point. I'm also very yeah. interested in Kirill Dubois as, a, in, as an individual as well. So I'm very partisan to that deal. But <laughs> yeah. Well, next question. Every- yeah. I think that kind of covers everything. The ARP was brought up on Twitter, but I don't even know what the units look like, to be honest. I don't remember what they looked like in training camp. Again, like we said, beating the dead horse over and over again. It's going to look the same as it always has. Um, There's no doubt in my mind about that. Apparently, they have Neil Pionk snailing passes over to Lining again. Oh, my. (laughs) So... Right. Again, because it worked so good last year, you're going to keep doing it? Hmm. We should have a top five power play in the league. I'm Like, we should. You have... How... I can't even... How... Can you not... I, I tweeted this about four years ago. Well, I tweeted it like three games into Patrick Liney's rookie season, I think. Watch the Washington Capitals power play and do exactly what they do. It's not that hard. <laughs> like how can a Vetchkin 19 years later still be scoring fucking 30 power play goals a year? Yeah, no, it's well, and you know what, to be fair, they do have their John Carlson, which is, you know, we don't have that, but going back to the Murat episode, uh, bleh, Murat episode again, cause that was a great episode. He was talking about how, when you had Bufflin on the point, he was more of a threat. Therefore, the defensive four players on the other team are a little bit more threatened by him. And he was comparing it to the gravity score in basketball, where if he has the puck, people are willing to cheat out more because they want to block that shot. Neil Pionk, not a threat. No one cares. So that tightens your lane with your Wheeler, Shifley, and Line. Worst passes, no good shots are coming off, garbage power play. Like, <laughs> But... I agree with that 100%. And it just seems so simple to me when in the first year, I, if I'm not mistaken, in Line's first year, Shifley scored a shit ton of power play goals in the slot because that option would get taken away. Then Wheeler would go down low to whoever was playing beside the net at that point, I don't remember. And he would just put it out front and Shifley would rip from the middle. So you need that second or third option and it just don't see it. And, uh, Again, Pionk's pass, whatever it is, is terrible, combined with the fact that he can't hit the net when he shoots. I don't know. Again, what do they see that we don't see? But in the defense, to play the devil's advocate here, what do we have that's any better? Because none of our guys are that power play quarterback that you see in a Dustin Bufflin. And again, we are a little bit blinded by how good he was at that. And we It's hard to replace that. But no, Neil Pionk is not the answer. And I bet you most of the other guys on the team would be a better option, but there's no easy fix unless you play a five forward power play or something, because you don't have anyone on the defense. And the, and the problem with playing five forwards would be like, there, there, yeah, no. And well, no one would be able to get back, but you, you still don't have a forward who would play that point the way Bufflin would, or like you, or like we said, John Carlson, when you have a Vetchkin, like we don't have that, but sure, fair enough. Washington has had like four different power quarterback 
yeah. since Ovechkin league, right? Um, anyway, I, I again, you're right. It's not an easy thing, and you, it's not like um, I'm sitting here going, you know, Neil Pionk should be replacing Bufflin, but you have to find a way to get Line A the puck. That, it, that's just what it comes down to. Maybe you need to change everything. Like, uh, I know last year a lot of guys were talking about having the two people behind the net power play, right? The two people behind the goal line in the Ryan. corners. That was Ryan's thing with the, I think that's what the Habs do, right? They do the two guys behind the net. Yes. Right. So what, again, why aren't we trying something? Um, then he should be scoring 25 goals. Is that on the power play? Like, I don't know what the best score is score on the power play in a season, but 20, like, I just don't, I don't know. You've got to find a way to get him the puck basically is what it comes down to. Yeah, well, and then, like like you said, when Shikley had all the goals, it was because people knew that Line A was that Alex Ovechkin-esque threat. So they would cheat towards him, and all of a sudden you have your guy in the slot, and he's, when when he's sharp, he's sharp. Again, Shikley isn't the same as he was. He hasn't had that same danger, whatever, but the power play sucks. And, yeah. Anyways. But I feel like that's kind of it from Twitter. There, That was... Kind of the gist of the the questions. Excellent. Well, tomorrow's the day. What's your play? I don't even know. I think it was <laughs> seven. That's what I was told. Uh, seven o'clock on TSN3 in Sportsnet West. I didn't even know who they played tomorrow until this afternoon. <laughs> I mean, you had six guesses so you would have gotten it eventually so <laughs> i don't to be fair i don't ever look at the schedule or the standings but that yeah that's pretty sauce oh it'll be fun to agree i feel like calgary is gonna be again maybe a bit of a wild card too like they could be really good they could really give us a run for our money tomorrow or we could suck they could suck who knows so i'm really excited for the season I'm just going to say it. It was so nice to see Twitter all on one page today. Like, Nolan Patrick scored a goal, and it was just, it was a very wholesome place to be on the internet. Like, hockey's back, and it's just, it's good. You know, turn a blind eye to how dangerous it might be, but it's back. You know, you know I, <laughs> I have a feeling Chris may have uh, had a little sarcasm moment there, but... I am legitimately excited for hockey to be back because there's nothing to watch. I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. I don't watch Netflix. I don't watch movies. I have not. I haven't watched anything in a year. I don't even know if my TV works anymore. I don't even think it's been plugged in for the last year. It's, <laughs> it's something. It's something to do. Um, yeah. And something to talk about. We miss talking about things. I miss getting angry. There was nothing to get angry about before. <laughs> Chris, when's the last time you were on the podcast? I've been on quite a bit lately, actually. I've been <laughs> I've been on too much, probably. So we're, I, Chris is going to have to take a break so people uh, get a little bit more positivity. But I was going to um, say now now that we have one under our belt for this year, we can just keep the train going because man, did that feel rough. But well, with that, I think we should wrap it up. 
You know what? I think um, it wasn't as professional as we have been in the past, and it and it's also not as drunk and as ludicrous as it has been in the past, and that's why it feels a little uncomfortable, is because it's like not off the rails. It's just not crisp, and so I know what you're saying, but well, I think we'll, we'll be less responsible next time and throw this thing right <laughs> off the rails. Just that's right. Style. Yeah. Needed this far, they love us anyway, so. Yeah. yeah, our seven listeners love us. <laughs> All, right. All right, that was that was it. That's the whole thing. Um, tomorrow night, um, this is gonna get so yeah, this is recorded the night before, and it's gonna get posted the night before, and hopefully this will be something for you to listen to as you prep for the hockey game. Mm, I um, wouldn't say it's gonna hey. get posted the night before. It might get posted at like three, four in the morning. The morning of. <laughs> What here's what we need to do. Let's let's see how terrible the podcast was and do what we used to do. And um, let's get um, people to tweet Jetcentric with the code word to see how many people made it to the end of the episode. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Did you guys used to do that? Yeah, we if used to. You listened to this point of the podcast? Tweet at us with code word perfetti. Yes. Perfect perfetti. Perfect perfetti. Perfect perfetti. Yes. Nice. All right. You will win nothing. No, not this time. And use checkout code JetCentric for 20% off. That's right. We don't know where from. We don't have any website. But just do it. Just do it at Best Buy and say we sent you. (laughs) You can always use promo code JetCentric wherever you go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And if you listen to us or retweet the episode, I guarantee, I can guarantee that you'll end up in heaven. Mm, yeah, no, that's confirmed. I know I know that to be true. It's true. It's true. I've been there myself. <laughs> How is it? Yeah, a little chilly. <laughs> Not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. If you stuck around, um, much appreciated. And um, we will see you more during this. Seriously? Go Jets, go. Seriously, then. Like, genuinely. Just go. Who was wrong? Who was wrong? Then, If you're going to play, you might as well win. We'd be happy to be proven wrong about uh, all the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, bye. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. Mm-hmm.